0: Hey, it is the Geek Qualit Podcast. Welcome, I'm Country Mike Spragle, and right here is Tarnation. Who are you?
1: That was a nice cover-up of an old screw-up for you. Good job. This is John Lundquist. Hi, everybody.
0: I don't do second takes.
1: But we did a second take the last time.
0: Yeah, but that was different.
1: It was? Yeah. It was a second take. It wasn't. Yeah, you said two before you started, after you recorded. You know what? And then you started over again.
0: I don't like you very much anymore.
1: <laughs> hey, what are friends for? Aside from sh- calling out our shortcomings.
0: Yeah, you know what your shortcoming is. You suck.
1: Yeah, I get that a lot. That's what my kids tell me.
0: All right, guys, it's the Geek Roulette podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Spragle.
1: and like I said, I'm still the other podcast host, John Lundquist. Not for long. Yeah.
0: Uh, this episode is going to be a face-off episode where we rip broached- off
1: people's faces.
0: Yeah, we get Nicolas Cage's and John Travolta's Aren't they
1: making like a sequel to that now? I don't care. I don't either. I've never actually seen the original. You know, shocking everybody, there's some movie out there that I haven't seen before.
0: I'm going to tell you, it's not very good.
1: That's what I've heard is that it's not great, that parts of it are good, but overall, not something you want to see. It's
0: essentially John Travolta and Nick Cage, like being the most Nick Cage and John Travolta (laughs) they could be. And for some people, it's like, oh, man, Nick Cage is really Nick Cage in the hard, And like, ah, all right.
1: What, what are your thoughts on Nick Cage? Like, so he, he tends to be kind of one of those love him or hate him. You know, I tend to be more on the, I don't like go as far as love because I haven't seen much of his stuff lately. But, you know, I kind of appreciate the fact that he's kind of leaning into just being this cheesy, crazy, weird actor now. Uh, isn't it a choice or is it just... <laughs> just the way he is? I, I think the hard
0: part about Nick Cage is this, is that... There's a lot of things that he has done, and I get why he's done it, because he made horrible financial decisions throughout the course of his life. I mean, at one point, I think he owned, like, two or three castles. And then he's like, why don't I have all my money? Well, because you bought two or three castles. Yes. So then you got to make, like, movies where, like, well, I'll do this now. And (laughs) I, I think it's he's, like... He's almost like a pseudo version of like Bill Murray in the sense where, like, Bill Murray, you could ask him, does do a movie, and you don't know if he's going to do the movie or not until he actually literally shows up on the set and, like, oh, we do got Bill Murray. <laughs> I think Nick Cage is kind of the same way, but in a different way, in the sense that you could ask him, and it's like, there's no way we're going to get Nick Cage for this. And then he's like, I'll do it. I'm like, what? Oh, Shit, we got to write Nick Cage into this movie now.
1: Yeah, there was. What's that movie he did? He, it was basically Five Nights at Freddy's. Not too long ago, one of the, one of the podcasts I listened to did like a, a review of it where they watched it, where he plays some crazy janitor. Who plays. Gets, who gets, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was kind of like that. It, from from what they were talking about, because they kind of talked about the background of the movie, it was kind of like that, where they some random, I don't know if it was a studio or director or writer, whoever wrote it thing. Like, oh, I'll write this with Nick Cage in mind, and then also it was like, oh. Nick Cage is actually gonna do this movie and it's just some cheesy horror you know like like I said Five Nights at Freddy's type thing
0: I I don't think it's a situation quite as bad like Bruce Willis where Bruce Willis got desperate for roles near the end of his career because I think he kind of realized like with some of his mental issues that he was having with his memory and everything he was like I might as well make the money where I can and Nice thing is he's not going to remember half those movies he was in anyhow. And Ooh, he went dark. Uh, <laughs> not as dark as his memory,
1: but... Yeah, wow.
0: Doubling down yeah. on the Bruce Willis. Which,
1: which kind of makes you, like, how... I mean, because a lot of these, like, Nick Cage, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously with the two, three castles thing, I mean, that's bad ideas, but you, you kind of hear about, like, some of these, oh, I'm just doing this movie for the paycheck. Like, some of these A, you know, even the B-list actors, like, they make a good chunk of money. I mean, it's not like, you know, like, you know... But think you're, you know, it's not like you know, me like if I decide to take a year off, oh, I need to go get a job now because I should probably make a paycheck. Like
0: But you're you're looking you at know. it wrong. Think of it this way. You have like some of these guys, they hit a level of stardom and it's like, wow, they're amazing stars. But the problem is they escalate their life and extravagance to that level right there.
1: Yeah. And
0: sometimes the problem is you can't maintain that level consistently. So all of a sudden roles start to dry up and you're not commanding like $15 million a movie role anymore. And you still got to pay like all of these expenses and this lifestyle you've got used to. And eventually it's like, all right, I'm starting to get down to this line. I don't want to go below. So what's this movie? Uh, It's about a love story on an airplane hijacking. Fine. I'll do that movie. And that's why I think you see some actors that get stuck into some of those roles because... You know, I was making all this money, but you start living to that level of that money, and that's just unsustainable. Yeah, I suppose so. Anyway, we're not talking about Nick Cage. Yeah, believe this it episode. or not, everybody,
1: this is not an arbitrary episode.
0: No, we're going to have a face-off episode for that. Housekeeping. Guess what? Facebook and Twitter. Rate us on all these different things. Moving on right now. Let's go to recommendations. Oh, yeah. John, I'm drinking my recommendation right now. You
1: are? What's that? So
0: my favorite flavor of Mountain Dew is pitch black. It's kind of like the dark grape flavor yep. and originally started as a regular Mountain Dew assortment flavor that would come out around Halloween time. But now it's entering into like our, we're trying to like do something now where we have the 12 packs hitting the shelves now and the six packs, but we also have the Mountain Dew Energy, which I like because it's only 25 calories and it is the pitch black Mountain Dew Energy. And I just have always liked the flavor. It's probably my, Top flavor of mountain dew out of outside a regular regular mountain dew is in its own place at this point, true because I would say it goes for me pitch black then after that, probably code red then live wire and then all the other ones can go suck a dick
1: yeah I don't, there's been an insane amount of mountain dew flavors out there, like exclusive ones like the fruit ones.
0: like the fruit quake one that came out in Christmas it tasted like fruit cake.
1: Yeah, I tried that one just because I found it somewhere for super cheap, and I was like, yeah, that that's why it's super cheap.
0: That was dumb on your part. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Pitch Black is back uh, for a limited time. We're going to kind of cycle through with, uh, I say we as if I'm Mountain Dew, but I work for Pepsi. We're going to cycle through different flavors, seasonal, for some of these different things. But I always like
1: Pitch Black when it comes back, so go Pitch Black. Yes, buy Pitch Black already. My recommendation, go get Spam, everyone. Buy Spam, 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 Spam. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. Um, my recommendation is a game. Actually, go figure. I never recommend games. Um, we got a. I got a game for the kids for Christmas this year. We played. We haven't played it a ton, but we have played it a little bit. Um, because you know, again, busyness. Um, and it's actually kind of timely because they have an expansion for it up on Kickstarter right now. It is called Marvel United. Um, it is a cooperative game where you play as Marvel characters trying to defeat uh. A, villain's master plan and you work cooperatively playing cards. There's cool little 3d uh, model figures of your character, whether that's iron man, ant-man captain America, whoever. And they've done kickstarters. I don't know if they've done them for all of them, um, but they did. And I know for sure they did an X-Men one, the one they are currently doing that just started, I think like a week ago is for a, it's like a multiverse expansion and there's, you know, a good guy version of Loki, captain Carter, Um, and a few others, and the thing they do with the Kickstars, which makes it a decent deal, is you can put in for the base, but then, like, this is, they're one of those where they just get an insane amount of stretch goals, and they, for their stretch goals, they do just every frickin' character imaginable, like, there's a ton of them out there from the previous Kickstars they've done that I have not played before, um... I remember that came up before I played it, um, but now, like, they're doing, like, there's a bunch, like, they've got Chamber. Hey, everybody, if you remember Chamber, you can get him now for Marvel United if you back this Kickstarter. There was even a character that I don't even know who the hell he was because they're just reaching that far, apparently, into the marvel character encyclopedia. Um, Speed, I think his name was, which seems like the most generic name for a character ever. Like, hey, what's this guy do? He runs fast. We'll call him Speed. Okay, okay. Nineties are a hell of a time. Yes. Um, but they've also got like most, if not all, of the Star Jammers crew. If you know, for those of you who know who the hell the Star Jammers are, which well, they're gonna be coming to the MCU, you know, we're getting the cosmic stuff now. Let's bring the weird Star Jammers with that cat that everybody thinks is sexy and the big lizard guy and Cyclops' dad, who's a pirate. Yes, people, this is an actual thing. If they can make the Guardians of the Galaxy work, let's go Star Jammers. Um, anyway, Marvel United, it's a good time. You can, like I said, there's a bunch of different villains, and each of the villains kind of have a different style, so it's not like you're just playing the same villain. Um, like Dr. Doom is flamboyant, and he the is. Red Skull, he uh, he, is, he, uses empathy. and Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Marvel United, go check it out. There was, like when I got it for the kids for Christmas, there was a super cheap bundle on Amazon. It was like 20 bucks, and you got... The regular version, then you got the Spider-Man expansion, which had like six more characters in it, and then just a random, just solo Doctor Strange guy um, that has since gone up to like thirty bucks, which is still a hell of a deal. But I think you get just the base one for like eighteen bucks or something on Amazon or wherever the hell you decide to get it. But it's fun; it's a good time. I, like I said, my kids have been enjoying cooperative games where you know everybody kind of works as a team to achieve a goal. Everybody so if that sounds like it's up your alley, Marvel United, you can get it wherever. And there's also the Kickstarter if you want to go that route. So, yeah. Great. Good times. Our arbitrary
0: list. Uh, I was sitting there the other day and I was playing a video game and I was using like a weapon in Skyrim and it was a fun weapon that, you know, I kind of made a bow that like fired exploding fire arrows and, I started thinking about what the best weapons slash objects are in video game history. And or at least personally to us. So I'll start out. One of the like things I always love in a video game is that in the eighties there was a video game Bionic Commando, where your character had basically a grappling arm that he would shoot and use to swing places. That was always awesome. And other video games over the past decade have kind of picked back up on that. Games like Titanfall or even the latest Halo. Just games or any game where you have a character that has like a grappling hook arm and you can use that to swing through places or shoot at someone and drag them to you. Grappling hook arms, man. That's where it's at. And it all started with a Commando.
1: That was a good game. did they do like a remake of that where Mike Patton did like the voice? He did. He nice. did. Mike Patton. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um. My first one, I kind of went with, I mean, they're favorites of mine, but also ones that just kind of like, that I could probably find more, but I went with ones that just like, ah, I'm always like, like a warm, happy, comfy thing. The first one for me is the good old Red Shell in Mario Kart. Nothing's better than, you know, I mean, you got the Blue Shell, which nukes the first player, but the Red Shell will just screw up anybody indiscriminately. I mean, you know, these least as much as the one in front of you, I suppose. I was
0: talking to a coworker today because I was bringing up that this is going to be a topic of my podcast tonight, and... I brought up, we got in the conversation, the blue shell, and I love the blue shell in the sense that it rewards incompetence in the sense that, hey, yeah. you suck, guess what? This blue shell makes everything okay.
1: Well, that's the thing, though, is it doesn't really, like, you get the blue shell when you're in, like, you know, like, six, seven, you get it when you're weight, but it doesn't really do anything for you. Like, the second-place person's like, hell yeah, blue shell, thank you, eighth-place person who didn't really do any, get anything from, you know, shooting that at the first-place player. Um but the red shells just good stuff, especially when you get like the three of them at once and then you if you time it right so where you can just punk them out you know shoot one, wait like a good three or four seconds shoot the next one you know I mean assuming they're that far ahead of you that is you know, and then hit them with the third one it's just it's good times knowing that those nice homing turtle shells will knock out your guy and person and get them to swear and they also make you swear when you don't get them when like when you're in second place like God damn it, I don't want a banana. Where's my freaking red shells? And all you get are bananas and mushrooms. Like, nothing angers you more in Mario Kart than that, but...
0: I think it is rather interesting that when you play Mario Kart, they're using, like, the corpses of fallen, like, villains <laughs> to essentially, like, injure others.
1: Yeah, it is a little bit morbid when you think about it, especially if you're playing as the Koopa Trooper in that game.
0: My second favorite video game item is... I love the Fallout video game series. And the Fallout video game series, Fallout 3, one thing I love is that there's a lot of bad guys in there there's some that are pretty tough bad guys like one creature and there's like the death claw which can just tear you apart because it's got giant claws and it can tear you apart and like oh no how do i take down a death claw quickly do i use my machine gun do i use like a nine millimeter no you take out the fat man, and you shoot a mini nuke at him, and watch this giant creature ragdoll <laughs> as it flies through the air. And you see a mushroom cloud originate from the point of explosion. And your on your pit boy, your radiation tracker shoots off the chart because there's ambient radiation all over the area itself. <laughs> it, there's no f- more fun weapon than just launching a mini nuke at not just even like bad like super tough guys. Like when you have even like something like a. Like, just some small guy running at you, and like, oh, hey, (laughs) nuke. And then you just go, ah. It's
1: kind of like that episode of The Simpsons, where what is it that Homer kicks, like, early on, like, in the camping episode? Does he punt something, like, into into oblivion? I can't remember what creature it was. It was one of the first handful of seasons. I forget what animal it was, but that always got a good chuckle out of me. Nice overkill on, like, small, defenseless animals. Mini nukes, folks, in Fallout 3. Yes, good times. My next one, and this might have some recency bias to it, because I'm currently playing through uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, the remake that they put out on Switch, which I did play way back in the day in its original. It was on Game Boy, the first Game Boy, wasn't it? The original one? Maybe. I believe, but uh, but I'm playing through the remake that came out, I don't know, a year or two ago or whatever. Um, and so, like I said, this could be just because I've been playing that, but I've always been a big fan of the Master Sword in there. Nothing like when you get that, you know, you especially like in the first one you've got your hearts are full and you're just shooting away at all these guys across the and then also like, you know, then you get pegged with something and you're missing like half a heart and you're like, God damn it, now I can't use my sword to shoot these guys with.
0: Um, uh, but John, the Master Sword is the third sword you get in The Legend of Zelda. It is not the original sword you no, start with.
1: But still, it is something you get and it's good times. It's always good when you get it. There's always this big event, like in Breath of the Wild, which I played last year, there's this big thing with getting the the Master Sword in there. Um, It seems like they're obviously making it progressively more difficult to get each game they put it in. Um, But the Master Sword's always good. It's got a cool design. It looks nice. It's fun to get, and it's fun to shoot your enemies with your sword.
0: 1987 was the first appearance of this item. And then... It would appear again a couple of years later, but not in great of a game. And then it would be almost about tw- another 12 years before you would see it again. It is one of my most favorite absurd things that has ever been put into a video game. And so help me God, I love it. It is the cardboard box from Metal Gear.
1: <laughs> I thought for a second while putting that in, in, in my list.
0: I had to because the first metal gear it's like all right the concept is you're going to put a cardboard box on and you get on a truck and like do you be like pretend you're cargo but you could use like the cardboard boxes other ways to kind of trick or fool things and as metal gear games evolved so did the usage of just using a cardboard box so much so that just recently it was determined that like ai drones like robotic, like drones. They found that a military outfit found that they could use a cardboard box into tricking the drone into that yeah. it was not. I, I was there. just
1: looking for that article because I was I remembered reading like just a couple of days ago something about that, and I was like, hey, but yeah,
0: that right there is the epitome of video games. Knowing that somewhere out there, someone said a cardboard box is the great equalizer, <laughs> and I remember I did that once when I worked at Best Buy. So we had, like, an empty dryer box, and they are pretty big. And I remember, like, setting it up to make it look like it was a regular new box, and I had it on the floor. And I was walking, like, behind an employee, and then would just stop behind them, (laughs) just messing with their head. Oh, thank you, cardboard box. Endless amounts of fun.
1: So, and your last item, John. My last item I'm going with is from the game World of Warcraft, which if you play it, you probably have a good idea what I'm talking about. Um, and that is the iconic sword Frostmourne that is used by the classic villain from there, good old Arthas the Lich King um it's just got a really cool look to it it's a really well you know i mean it's you could argue that yes it's kind of an 80s you know it's got an 80 it's an 80s over you know whatever exaggerated because it's got skulls on it of course because he's the lich king and he's all about the undead and whatnot um it's just i don't know it's super cool looking he's an awesome villain um at one point during the game it you know it gets destroyed because of course you end up defeating him and Whatnot, and if you have a Death Knight character, you can go, you find the pieces, and then you kind of reforge and to make it into your own legendary sword. But it's just really cool. It's, you know, you can go out if you want to spend ridiculous amounts of money and get a replica of it and put it on your wall. But, you know, I'm, you know, it's not that cool, and I don't think I want to spend that kind of money on a sword to put on my wall. But, um, but yeah, Frostmourne is just, it's, I don't know, it's cool. It's nice, and sometimes cool swords are what you need. Apparently, because there's two of them on my list. I have never played World of Warcraft. You have not, no. Shame on you. Yeah. You're not really a big MMO type person. You've never really done any, any, I mean.
0: I don't like playing with others. I mean, I'm fine with D&D, but others, no.
1: No, well, yeah. I mean, MMOs are different than, like, doing D&D. It's, yeah, there's a lot of jackasses out there. I'm currently not playing it. A lot of jackasses in here. here. True that, two of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, folks, the way our face-off format goes is like this. Is I'll bring up two things, and we debate between the two things which we think is better. It's an opinion-based thing, so nobody's right or wrong, except, except me. When me. No, Damn I'm it. right. Son of a bitch. I am a son of a bitch. You met my mom. True that. So the first uh, of the face-off topics I'm going to bring up is what is better, pancakes or waffles? Yes.
1: And this is a good and you could arguably throw in french toast in there but I think we know both. No, ones. no, like, no. Let's Fra- keep french toast
0: out. French keep crepes toast-
1: out. French toast is good but not as good as both either pancakes or waffles. Like like that did enter into my mind like when I saw your list. I was like what about french to- uh, yeah, mm, no. French toast is all well what and good. What about RC Cola? Yeah. No. Nobody likes RC. People like french toast but it's not as good as pancakes or waffles. But I digress. Um Both are quite good, and this one's pretty dang close, and I would probably give you either one of them. I personally go with pancakes because pancakes are just better, I think, overall. I think they're also kind of easier to make. You don't need special equipment to make them with, um... I famously, you know, I don't know if I, I've probably mentioned, I carry a recipe for pancakes in my wallet. I could show you my recipe for wallet pancakes right now is what they've come to be known as because I keep it in my wallet and have for, I don't know, like 15 years or so now. Um, In in
0: case of emergency pancake.
1: Exactly. They're super delicious buttermilk pancakes and they're really yummy. But also like just Bisquick pancakes are also good. Um, They also tend to be one of the things like when I go to like a new breakfast place to try out, which I like to do whenever I can pancakes are kind of one of the barometers I feel of if this place is any good or not like if they've got good pancakes then they're probably pretty decent but if they've got crappy like you can tell they just got some crusties mix and added some water to it then maybe not so much um waffles however are also great like the nice crispness you throw some butter on there some syrup in each little squares you know the crispiness holds up for a little while but you also get a little bit of the you know I don't want to call it the sog from the syrup but you know the the, the moistness that that brings you know like I think that's when you go to those free hotel buffets where they have the Belgian waffle makers. That's that's the way you got to go is with the, the Belgian waffle. But I think for my money overall, pancakes, I think, take the cake, especially, you know, throw some blueberries in there. That's some damn good stuff.
0: So this was a hard one. I had to sit there, and I was weighing out the pros and cons between the two. Because to your point, I feel pancakes easier to make. Like my oldest – son he loves waffles but my daughter prefers pancakes so there's a little separation between the two and i like it when they concern you know say hey we'll make pancakes i think god i don't want to pull out the waffle maker yeah that being said i think pancakes are better when it comes to mixing ingredients into it to add different elements to the pancakes Waffles are more topping-based, where you don't put the ingredients in the waffle, but you're more or less going to put things on top of it. That kind of disqualifies it for me, though, in some ways, because I feel that's also more work, where it's easier just to chop up and throw things into a pancake mix versus the waffle itself. Now, I feel that with pancakes, the first... Three to five minutes of the pancakes are the best. And then I feel the pancakes hit that ugly part. That ugly part where they start cooling down. If there was butter on it, it starts getting, like, oversaturated. I feel that that right there with pancakes works heavily against
1: it. You you definitely need, like, when you get your pancakes, you need to prep. Like, say you're at a restaurant or even at home, you need to prep them before, you know, if you're going to not get to them right away. Like, you got to spread your butter around. you got to get your syrup on there. You know, ideally you get a little bit, if you've got multiple pancakes in a stack, you throw a little bit on each, you know, each layer. Um, and I will say too, for people who don't know, don't over whip your pancake batter. You want lumps, you want lumpy pancake batter because it's good for it. You don't want smooth pancake batter. Bad news bears, just, you know, as a quick aside. Um, but yeah, I yeah, and I, I didn't even take into account that, yeah, usually like with waffles, you'll put like strawberries and whipped cream and blueberries or... And I don't generally go, like, when I do waffles, I generally just prefer, just give me some butter, give me some some syrup. The most know, I'll like... go is maybe
0: some whipped cream. Actually, I don't mind putting a little honey on
1: the waffle before, instead of butter. and yeah, that
0: might be all right. But I, I went back and forth. I think, ultimately, my mentality, I was floor-ceiling. I feel that waffles have the higher floor and higher ceiling. But I feel that pancakes, the ease of them and accessibility of them are better. I'm going to lean waffles, but just barely. I feel that when you have a bad pancake, it is a truly bad pancake. And I feel that pancakes, it's easy to overindulge on them and then hate yourself
1: later for it. Oh, yes. I remember, you know, good old, you know, to make references that nobody's going to understand but us, you know, TNT Galley. You'd always go there. There'd always be that time when you're like, I'm going to get two, maybe three pancakes at TNT Galley, and, and their pancakes were, like, notoriously just huge. I even remember one time, I think I ordered three, and the waitress was like, are you sure you want three? And, you know, being a reckless, stupid youth, I was like, yes, I want three because I'm hungry, and I'd probably ordered something else, like hash browns or, so, you know, some other sort of food. And, yeah, there was, like, you'd eat them, like, you get, like, halfway through, and it's like, I'm going to die... Like, even at a local diner,
0: there's several locations, like Keys. Like, I used to, like, make the mistake, I'll order two pancakes. Yeah. And, like, Jen will look at me, and she's like, you never learn, do you? And I'll, like, get halfway (laughs) through it, and, like, I've made, like, a giant dent in it. But I'm like, well, I could finish these, but that's suicide, and I want to live.
1: Yeah, that's, like, I saw some little TikTok or some video a few weeks ago where somebody was at some restaurant doing, one. you know, one of those impossible challenges and it It involved eating some ginormous pancake and i was like that guy's gonna die in a couple of hours
0: my my favorite of course pancake reference is the andy daly show review with uh pancakes divorce pancakes one of the greatest episodes of television of all time i don't think i know that one or
1: or if i do i've forgotten
0: it is so good (laughs) you know the concept of the show right
1: don't think so, or at least not right now. Andy
0: Daly, like, it's a show where this guy, he reviews life. He, like, does various life events and experiences, and it's a comedy. And, you know, he gives it stars and stuff, like, do drugs. And, and you know, one of them, is producer, like, you know, in one episode, his producer is, like, the first thing, like, it's like, what would it be like to eat, like, 15 pancakes? And he's, like, he's, like, that's it? That seems nothing. So he eats the 15 pancakes, and he's just <laughs> sick afterwards. <laughs> So then, like, you know, the next suggestion was, what would it be like to get divorced? And he's like, I don't want to divorce my wife. And this producer has to talk him into it. You said for the artistic integrity of the show, you have to do what they ask. <laughs> so he divorces his wife, and he's just emotionally crippled. And then the last segment of the show is like, what would it be like to eat 30 pancakes?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Good times. All right. Next face off topic. So... Who is the better disposable henchman, and this one maybe is kind of an obscure reference, but stormtroopers from Star Wars or the Cylons from Battlestar Galactica? who is the better
1: yeah the the better faceless villain yes. um I know which way I'm going on this one, which probably which might surprise some people considering you know my my obvious leaning towards Star Wars. I'm going for Cylons. Just because I feel like between the two, like you see Stormtroopers and you're like, you know, in Star Wars, you're like, oh, look, it's a Stormtrooper. They suck, you know. Yeah, they're probably more iconic, but I remember watching that old Battlestar Galactic show back in the day. And even like the newer, you know, the updated version, you saw Cylon and you're like, oh, shit, this isn't good. Bad things are about to happen, you know, whereas you see some Stormtroopers, you're just like... Yeah, you know, they're going to miss and they're going to suck and be inadequate and be cannon fighter for the good guys. You know, and every time a Cylon shows up, it was just, you know, that red light going back and forth. And, you know, you, you, it was they they were just more ominous. Whereas I think, you know, in the Star, Tro- Star Wars universe, yes, the people that live there are afraid of stormtroopers. But like as people watching the, you know, movies and TV shows and whatnot, like we aren't scared of them. Whereas I remember Cylons coming on and you're just like, oh, crap, it's about to hit the fan.
0: Uh, I'll say this. It's Cylons hands down. And the reason I say that is to a lot of your reasons. I think because of the mechanical and emotionless nature of the Cylons, they just want you dead. I think the problem with stormtroopers is that there's never been anything stormtroopers have done that made you think, these guys I need to be afraid of. Like You get the feeling that most stormtroopers probably hate their jobs and are just doing it because they were conscripted into the the army. Yeah. And I think part of it, too, that doesn't help is, like, the sequel sequels, like the Rise of Skywalker, tries to humanize stormtroopers. And, like, oh, you know, they don't, all of them don't want to be stormtroopers. But I think, ultimately, I I think about, like, all the Star Wars, and I think, like, the, you know, New Hope and, <laughs> look, droids! Or they easy, <laughs> weak-willed minds, or you think Empire Strikes Back, or they're just getting gunned down by everybody and then the third one, oh, that's a complete embarrassment when a bunch of teddy bears <laughs> take him down. Yeah. I think the Stormtroopers have always been a joke. And I think that Star Wars corrected that with the Clone Troopers, where then the Clone Troopers were definitely superior versions of the Stormtroopers. But then, as, of course, the story's going on, hey, we need more compliant individuals. So that's when they went to Stormtroopers. But I don't know. The silence everybody always looked at as being kind of knockoffs of, you know, the Stormtroopers and stuff. But... Honestly, like you, you, I like they were, they were spooky enough. They weren't really menacing or threatening as much in the original Battlestar. But honestly, the Cylons, like when you watched them in like the reimagined version, those guys were bad ass motherfuckers. Yeah,
1: you did not want to mess with them.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was an easy one there. Here, here's another one here. So Friday the thirteenth was about a week or so ago, and what's uh, what's more menacing? Is it Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger?
1: So this is a tricky one. Um, I mean, first of all, I'll say I haven't seen a whole lot of either of the movies just because I've never been a big slasher movie fan. Like, I like horror movies fine, but I feel like the slasher kind of subgenre just doesn't work as much for me. Um, But I think for me, I mean, obviously you've got Jason Voorhees, who's you know just kind of this silent, kind of unstoppable force. And then you've got Freddy Krueger, who's, you know, more, I don't know, more, literally more cerebral, you know? And I think for me, I think I've got to go Freddy just because he is kind of the more cerebral one where he's, he's going to get under your skin. He's got, you know, arguably maybe a better design. I don't, well, I don't know if I would say better design because Jason Voorhees, is, you know, with the hockey mask is obviously pretty dang iconic. Um, but I think just for me, the concept of Freddy Krueger, like he's in your dreams, he's going to get you when you sleep and that's, you know everybody has to sleep. I mean, that's something that we can't get around. You know, we're going to sleep tonight. Everybody does, you know, so it's like, you know, how do you get away from somebody who, you know, can get you for, you know, a third of the day, essentially, you know, I mean, you're not going to not sleep for the rest of your life. Whereas Jason for just, yeah, you know, just get in a bus and go away. You know, I mean, Um, so for my money, I think I'm going with Freddy Krueger. But I, you know, it's, you know that's not to say Jason Voorhees is bad or you know or most of those slasher people you know, Michael Myers I think but uh but for me yeah, I'm going I'm going Freddy Krueger so i'm going to disagree now son of a bitch
0: thank you i think part of the problem that Jason Voorhees has is that it wasn't until really the 3rd movie that he got his iconic hockey mask cuz otherwise he wasn't really in the first movie until the end In the second movie he wore a bag over his head most of the time so it was the third movie and fourth movie and so on, where you start seeing like the hockey mask killer and stuff. That version of Jason is obviously iconic. And I think the reason I prefer Jason is because he is almost like the Cylon of Killers, because he's emotionless. He's just basically I am filled with rage because I feel my was neglected and wrongly murdered by you know negligent camp, you know, counselors. So I'm gonna go kill all these people and you see him and it's like oh man you can't negotiate with him you can't reason with him he's just gonna keep coming at you until he kills you now freddy he was established in his first movie and i feel that his first movie is probably his best movie but he got worse as it went on and the reason he got worse as it went on is because the gimmick of like oh he's gonna come in your dreams that was kind of good But then as movies went on, it almost became cartoonish. Like, what's the most outlandish way that we can find for Freddy Krueger to kill you? And there was these just really weird things. And eventually it just became like, you know, just some like, uh, I don't know, slash fic, basically. It's like, oh, what if you dreamt this and Freddy did this? And I think as time went on... Freddy became more of a joke, and he almost kind of entered into that whole leprechaun, like, you know, kind of some territory <laughs> where it's like, oh, ha guess what? All of Freddy's murders are all puns and, oh, all these little things here. So that's why I feel that Jason held a pretty solid edge because Jason just maintained just solid scariness all the way through where after a while, you know, Freddy became kind of, like, easy to clown on, like, oh, it's Freddy, and, you know, it kind of went from there, so...
1: Yeah, and like I said, not having watched very many of them, that could be you know if had I watched all of the, the uh, Nightmare Before Elm Streets, you know, or Nightmare on Elm Street movies, I might agree with you. And and it, it is hard to argue like Jason is just he's pretty much the same, just unstoppable for us, you know, from when you first see him till however freaking many movies they end up making with him.
0: Honestly, I I feel like my favorite, like I feel Jason got better as the movies went on, where I feel Freddy got worse, like. Jason Takes Manhattan is just classic because of just the absurdness of putting Jason into, like, a (laughs) modern-type situation. Like, I don't know if you remember, like, the scene where
1: he's, like, boxing the kid on the roof of the building. I have seen that one, but I don't remember, like, I know I've seen it, but I don't remember a darn thing about it. Yeah.
0: No good stuff. All right. Uh, The last one I have, and then we can go to the ones that you have proposed, is this. Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers? Neighborhood.
1: Yeah, um, growing up, I watched both of these, of course, because, you know, as our age, I think that was, we are pretty much raised on that, you know, maybe you also did Captain Kangaroo, some people, but, you know, I never did, but those what were... You, you just
0: keep bringing up, like, the third tier stuff I here, yeah, like... I
1: Michael Myers and... Let, let's Captain bring Kangaroo up Michael Myers and, and, and like, French, French toast, and... <laughs> yes, apparently that's, yes, let's call attention to the, the one that's not quite good enough to make our list. Um, Have you heard about Velveeta? It's great. Um, and this is a tough one. I'm still not quite, I mean, I do like like Sesame Street's got a lot more variety. You know, you had the little animated clips would come in. You'd have the little, you know, I don't know what you want to call them, sketches where you'd have just like whatever Muppet was there with whoever the celebrity guest was, or maybe even just some random kid. Um, whereas Mr. Rogers was more, I feel like episodic. I don't know if that's the way, you know, like. You know, he'd come in, he had his little routine. There'd be kind of a story they'd tell, you know, where he'd go into, what was it, make-believe land or whatever the heck they called it. The land of make-believe, job. There we go, yes. Represent. Damn it, see? Um, and it was good, and obviously, you know, he was kind of the person you followed, you know, aside from the characters in, you know, like Daniel Tiger and, you know, King Friday. Uh, I mean, Daniel, Daniel
0: Tiger wasn't in there.
1: Yes, he was. Was not he in the clock?
0: No. That was Tiger. Daniel Tiger's the son of Tiger.
1: Was it just Tiger? Yeah. You know, see, I need to keep up on yeah. Mr. Rogers' lore. And X
0: the maybe. Owl and Corny Cornflake. and
1: Yeah, all of those great puppets. Um, I think for me, I'm going to go Sesame Street just because I think that was the one that left more of a mark on me. I mean, I I watched both because I'm sure they were back-to-back and we watched them back in the day. Um, I think just the the characters there, I think, were a lot more memorable. I mean, you had all the Muppets, you know, Big Bird, Oscar the Grouch, Snuffleupagus. You know, I mean, the later ones, I'm not, you know, like, I'm not as big a fan of, like, you know, Elmo or the newer ones that I just don't even know, obviously. Um, you know, Bert and Ernie with their weird, you know, dichotomy whatever the heck they had going on. Um, Grover. Plus all just, you know, like Mr. Hooper and Luis and who was the one? Somebody just passed away, didn't he? Bob? Bob did. Luis yeah. passed away. There was Maria. Yeah, there were a couple that just passed Gordon. away fairly recently, you know. So, you know, but the, yeah, the, the people were just as iconic and, you know well known as as the muppets were so i mean for me i think i'm going to go sesame street but i don't you know like obviously i'm not going to begrudge somebody you know damn you you like mr roger's better no but uh but yeah for me i'm going to go sesame street i feel
0: with sesame street some of those like little Like sequitur skits and stuff in between were the better parts of the show itself, and I remember those more than sometimes a lot of the Muppet skits. Oh yeah. Oh, of course, some of the more legendary Muppet skits would be like Don Music messing up a nursery rhyme and bashing his head against the piano. That was some good stuff there, but the a lot of the Muppet scenes never always maybe didn't seem quite as memorable. If there was a reason I would choose Mr. Rogers, it was something that as a kid, I don't think I could have put into words. It wasn't until I got older and I read some articles about it, about his approach to his show. And if there was one thing I loved about Mr. Rogers now in retrospect that I respect more now that I'm older, is that he said that, you know, he was interviewed once and he said one of the key things is, is that I like to talk to kids as if they're adults because, if you want them to understand things, you give them some of that respect and you see where they go with it. And that's kind of how the show was where he, he talked to you like a normal person and everything. And maybe for some reason as a kid, I felt like, Hey, here's an adult that's speaking to me. I wouldn't say as like an equal, but he's speaking to me as if, you know, Yeah. and I think that is approach that I feel that I've come to take a lot more with my own kids is that, When I talk to my kids, I kind of lay it out to them a lot more straighter, you know, than probably my parents did when I was a kid. And, you know, I feel it's kind of yielded kind of good results. I'm not robbing them of their innocence or childhood, but I think part of it is like, hey, you know what? I'm going to talk to you like this. And if you want to continue to earn this respect of me talking to you like an adult, and I feel that they respond in that sense and way. And Mr. Rogers both had, like, I think, times where they focused on, like, more mature topics. I feel that Mr. Rogers probably did a better job of it a lot of times in Sesame Street, but maybe that's just because of, you know, who Fred Rogers was versus you're talking a much more collaborative effort between everything on there.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, like, to, like, what you're saying, I think Mr. Rogers almost made more of an effort. Like, he was, like, he wanted to be your friend. Like, he was somebody who came on. He was friendly. He was... And I think it's like what you said, it's important that he didn't talk down to kids. Like that's same here. Like we didn't like, I've never like people that do the baby talk, they with like, like, I've never talked that way to my kids. Like, you know, I've always talked to them like they're adults. And I remember one of my favorite uncles growing up was the uncle that kind of just, you know, always treated us with respect and, you know, like myself and my brothers and sisters and, you know, kind of like you said, not treat us as equals, but, you know, kind of gave us the respect, didn't treat us like we were beneath him or whatever, and kind of talked to us in a manner that, you know, like he appreciated us and respected us and our, our thoughts and whatnot. So I think, yeah, that's definitely, I think, something that he's got going from that you didn't quite get the same. You didn't get the same connection because while Mr. Rogers was talking to you, like he'd look directly at the camera and he would say, hey, we're doing this now and whatever. And, you know, I've even read an article somewhere where he, you know, somebody who I think it was a, a blind girl who would watch the show, she was always concerned he for, he'd forget to feed the fish. So then he started saying, you oh, know, and I'm feeding the fish now just to put her at ease. And, you know, like you take, you know, individual people thoughts and feelings into account because, you know, for him, like, oh well, that's a, something I can do for two seconds when I'm feeding the fish or whatever, you know, it was, I think he put the effort to, you know, to get to know you, so to speak, even though technically I, I think maybe wasn't. Sesame Street was more fun,
0: but I feel Mr. Rogers was more impactful. And I think that's why I give it the edge. Yeah, But, I could, again, I'm not going to begrudge something that says I like Sesame Street. Like, you monster.
1: Yeah, no, and I'm still going to go with Sesame Street, but, yeah, exactly. Like, I, there's, I think, a, dis, a subtle difference between the two, and maybe it's not even so subtle.
0: All right. Well, that's the, the, the face-off topics I had. You knew mine beforehand.
1: I did, and I meant to text you mine. I, like, wrote them out. And I was like, okay, now I need to send these to Mike. And then I was like, oh, oh, well, I didn't. So, nope. so, so you get these just off the cuff because yeah. that's how we roll here. That's fine. All right, so my first one um, – it's going to be kind of a music-based one, so we'll go with John Williams or Trent Reznor. As far as, like, I'm speaking, like, composing, like, as far as musically. Like, composing, not, like, Nine Inch Nails. Uh, I, I, that's that's a hard one right there. I mean, both
0: have won Oscars. I'll say the fact that I feel like John Williams has composed some of the most iconic themes known to man that if people are here they would immediately assume and you know recognize as being associated with something right there as much as I love Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor and his work as a composer has been fantastic and he's definitely branched out in over a decade I can't even call it a close battle you have to go John Williams just because of what he has done and achieved where he made the music just as important and impactful as the movie that it was part of, where a Trent Reznor his music was always much more atmospheric in how it enhanced the film.
1: Yeah, I think and I and I agree with you. I think it, it's going to John Williams, but I think the and I think the key difference is I think Trent Reznor, like with what he does, it's more it's more, fit, like you said, it's atmospheric, it fits the mood more, it fits the style, It's it gets you more in a mood than it does, you know, announce itself. It's kind of that, it's maybe that thing that makes a scene for you, but you don't realize it because it's, it's, it's kind of just doing its thing in the back. It's doing the hard work, but it's not making it obvious, you know, he makes, I think he makes it, he does a lot of hard work and it's not easy to do, but I think he's one of those where it's like, oh, he makes it look easy because he just, you know, he can make that. He sets the mood without you know announcing himself to the world, which I don't think is a bad thing because I mean definitely the music of John Williams does that you know and all you know the Indiana Jones theme, Jaws, Star Wars, you know Superman, all now, those themes that he's known for now to inverse this, I don't actively listen
0: to John Williams music, but I could put on like the social network soundtrack and listen to that or I could listen to like you know his ghosts albums or I could listen to the Girl with the Dragon tattoo and have those on the background. And those are perfect if I'm not listening, but I just want something there. But that's not something I ever think anybody's going to do with John Williams. Like I'm going to put on the Indiana Jones soundtrack in the background. That's see, a little too do, abrupt.
1: See, I do occasionally with the star some of the Star Wars ones. Um, I don't think I ever have for any of his other ones. But I mean, for me, like you know, like I can, basically, I could probably follow along like with the New Hope as well with the music as I can with anything else. Like, you know, when I hear a bit of a clip of music from Star Wars, you know, New Hope, I can be like, oh, that's when this is happening. That's when that's happening. But, uh, you know, I, I could very well be in the minority there. Alrighty, Next one that I have, um and we may have done this one before, maybe not, uh, whiskey or beer?
0: Be- beer. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to say this about whiskey, is that... There's different things you can do to whiskey to help invoke different types of flavors, different types of notes and stuff. And I do have some whiskeys that I drink on hand and some bourbons. And I'll I'll say that it's something I'll drink every now and then. But I feel that some of the artistry with beer has a lot more variety and different things you can do with it than you can ever do with whiskey. That's why I'm going to always take beer just because you look at a lot of the subgenres of beers and stuff, and there's always a little something for whatever your mood is. I feel it whiskey, it's going to have a certain range, but you know it's harder to get there and I know there's other types out there like, oh, there's a peanut butter whiskey, and there's this, and yeah, you can do some of those things with that, but again, I feel that you know I could just sit there and just casually drink a beer and I'll enjoy it more than a whiskey.
1: see, and for me, I almost go the opposite way like I think. I mean, while you're definitely not wrong, I think there's definitely a lot more variety as far as, you know, you can get IPAs, you can get stouts, you can get Pilsner's, lagers, you know, all those different styles of beer out there. And I feel like they're a lot more distinct than like, you know, a bourbon to a scotch to a whiskey. Um, But for me and, you know, five years ago, I think I might have gone the other way because, you know, for a while there I was doing all sorts of, you know, we were doing our, you know, our untapped phase where we were logging into there and, you know, trying just Dozens of different kinds of beer every year, and it was kind of interesting. It's to try that different stuff, but I think lately I've been, I've definitely drifted more towards whiskey. um You know, I usually just do it on the rocks, although I've also been doing old fashions fairly often lately. um Maybe because I'm getting old, I don't know. But uh I just for me, it's just I don't know. I just enjoy sipping on a little bit more. You know, I put like an ice cube or two in there to kind of you know so as it goes down, it melts it out a little bit more. But for me, I just, I don't know, I appreciate the subtleties of some of them. I've got, you know, my go-tos, but I've also kind of been doing what I did with beer a while ago, where I'll try, you know, here's a local, you know, distillery. I'll try this one out. But, uh, so yeah, for me, I go whiskey, but beer is definitely a very close second
0: i'll say this about beer is my last note i feel beer is far more accessible than whiskey whiskey you either like or hate it i feel you could give different types of beer to people and somebody's gonna find a beer they're gonna like more likely than they're gonna find a whiskey they like
1: yeah i mean you're not wrong there. like my wife likes the smell of like whiskey and scotch but she won't drink it like at all whereas there are some beers that she does like so right you're not wrong there uh, next one I've got, uh, we're going to go back into the realm of geeky things, Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis. Well, that's easy. I, you have
0: to go Super Nintendo, and I feel that while the Genesis did a lot of, I think, edgier things and cutting-edge things, like I feel... On the Genesis, sports games are better on the Genesis than it was on Nintendo. Sega didn't have the issue about having more mature-based games on theirs than Nintendo, where they felt the need to censor it. I think they did have some iconic franchises. I think Sega took more chances on some things. But that being said, you think about some of the greatest games of all time that came out, and they've usually been graced on the Super Nintendo itself. Super Nintendo, I think, was almost a form of gaming perfection where you look at some of the games they had that came out on there and there's still games that you know are being played like if you were to take away from sega take away like sonic the hedgehog as an example name another franchise for sega besides sonic um that one shinobi Right, there you'll see a couple like that, but I mean that's just nothing
1: near to the level of what Sonic is. No, but
0: Nintendo had so many more iconic franchises. Not only that, but it's like you know what? People love Mario. Put them in a go kart, and guess (laughs) what? That launched an amazing, you know, overall thing. You had some of the best RPGs. Now some Sega diehards will like live and die by the Fantasy Star series, and I tried playing Fantasy Star. Oh, it was painful. It is definitely a grind fest of a game. Or you could play games like Final Fantasy 3 slash 6, or you could play games like Chrono Trigger and you know Earthbound, even Super Mario RPG. Those were all great role-playing games on there. Even like I think the games that left like took the leap from like 8-bit to 16-bit. Like, the Super Metroid, that's an amazing game there. I mean, that is such a great jump up, or even expanding on Link in the Universe, you know. I Again, I I can't... This one is an easy one for me, so...
1: Yeah, I think for me as well, I mean, like you said, I think Sega took more chances. There's definitely a lot more games on there that I look fondly at, but a lot of them, I think, when I've gone back and found them on, you know, whatever platform you can find them on now they tend to be the type of things like you'll play them for maybe 10 minutes and then you're like uh eh, yeah that scratched that nostalgia itch. i'm good now you like altered beast was fun but it's not the type of thing i'm going to sit down and play like seriously now you know or or Shinobi, I forget which the one I play. I think it was like Shinobi's Revenge was the one or I played. Or like, Golden Axe. Yeah, Golden Axe is another perfect example. Like they're fun games, like to sit and play for nos- you know nostalgia's sake for you know like I now, said, maybe half an hour. Let's not exclude though one of the best Genesis games, Toe Jam and Earl. Oh hell yeah, yes that that's being the one striking you know distinction. But yeah, I mean a lot of them they're great games, but you know kind of for a limited time. And I think. To speak to it, too, I was also trying to think, like, originally I was trying to think, you know, okay, Sonic, for my face-off talk, it was going to be Sonic, and I was trying to think of somebody else who was kind of on that same level. You can't go Sonic or Mario, because obviously Mario's going to beat Sonic, but I was like, who's somebody that's kind of at that same? I was like, you know, you can't go Sonic and Link, you can't, like, he's just, he's he's great, but, like, there's nobody, you know, he's kind of 2nd tier. You know, and, and then that was kind of when I settled on, okay, well we'll do at least Sega and Nintendo. I mean, I think there's a little bit more of a battle there. But, like, all my favorite, I think, versions of, like, Mario, Zelda, you know, Metroid are, you know, are on there. You know, my one of my favorite RPG games is Chrono Trigger, like you mentioned. You know, my favorite Link game is, you know, Zelda game is Link to the Past, Mario World. I mean, you know, with the exception of, like, Mario Kart, most of my favorite games for those, you know, characters are on that system, you know. Um. So, you know, that's the way I got to go. Yeah,
0: I I think Sega did some amazing things like, you know, going into like the Sega Saturn and, you know, that did some things. And honestly, the Dreamcast is probably one of their most underrated systems that it's a pity that was the last gaming system that Sega ever put out when you consider some of the innovations and things they put in there. But you know, it, that that was I think part of the problem there is you can make only a couple mistakes like
1: that in the gaming industry and that was enough to do with them in. And... Yeah, unfortunately. It's a it's a harsh world out there for that. Yep. All right, so my last one, I'm not sure. I think this just got triggered because we've been chatting lately, my wife and I, but you know, Mariah, who, you know former podcast host we'll have to get them back on here i've been kind of trying to plan out you know a couple vacations for this year so i think this is maybe what triggered this um neither of these are on the table for the time being because you know for you know potentially obvious reasons um so if you had your pick between the two would you take like a european vacation like somewhere in europe wherever or would you do like more of an asian like japan china wherever which which of the suit you know far, far west on that side of the planet or far east Jen's been to Japan before, and she
0: loves Japan. She says that the culture there is amazing. I would probably favor the European side of it myself, but I could also enjoy Japan, I guess, in both senses, like just the different overall cultural things there. Uh, if you were to take money and cost out of it, that's the only problem with Japan is just some of the prices. Yeah, th- yeah I think you'd have
1: to make it like, all the, like, assuming, you know, all things being equal on that end.
0: I, I don't know. I I think the problem, too, is this. is like when you say Japan versus European, European, that covers a very broad scope. Yes.
1: And I would say, I mean, yeah, and European can be wherever. I mean, and, you know, in Asia, the same thing. I mean, Asia, Japan, China, you know, you know, South Korea, wherever it might be. For me, I think... I would probably do something like, you know, Japan or Asian just because I haven't been there before. I have been to, you know, a few European places. You know, high school, you know senior in high school, we did a couple of weeks where we went to London, Paris, and Rome. Um, and it was fun. I'd love to go back, but I think the thing with, and not that it's wrong, but I think the thing with Europe is it's a lot more for us, um, like the barrier for entry, I think, is a little bit lower because, you know, because it's the culture change is not near as dramatic, I think, as if we were to go to... You know, if you go to Tokyo or something, for example, I think, you know, Europe is a lot more, you know, it's going to be more stuff we're familiar with and, and, you know, it's going to be a lot more easier to kind of figure things out, I think, whereas things in like, you know, China, Japan, Korea, wherever you end up over there, the cultures are just, you know, dramatically different. It's stuff we're not used to, which I don't think is a bad thing, but I think that makes it a little bit more intimidating to, you know, hey, I'm going to go over there with, you know, my wife or my kids or whoever, or or even just yourself, you know, you're going to have to, there's some stuff you're going to have to kind of navigate that, you know, you might not do correctly or, or whatever, um, which, you know, would make me a little bit more trepidation. I think I would, like I said, I think I would prefer to do the Asian one just because I haven't been there. And I think that difference, but I would almost want to go with somebody who's done it before, you know, somebody to kind of, you know, hold your hand with and, you know, kind of be like, okay, we're going to do this. Don't dare ever do this. And, you know, we're going to go here, you know, cause I feel like if I you know, go on my own, I'd end up doing like a tour group type thing. And I don't know what that's Way you should necessarily do any vacation per se. Yeah,
0: I, I think like if I were to go international, I mean, part of me, I would almost like going to some like you know, like South American country almost, and like going to there and. You know, but that's because maybe I resonate more with some of the Hispanic culture and some of the things down there.
1: Yeah,
0: I wouldn't even mind going to different parts of Canada, like take a tour through Canada and seeing the different cultural differences, you know, in some of the areas because of the French influence and other factors. Uh, I, I honestly, I, I'll, I'll throw those out. I'd say I'd rather go to a place like either Australia or New Zealand than Japan and uh, Europe. That's valid.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, if I had my pick of anywhere in the world, I mean, I've been trying to get my wife over to, to London because she's never been, um, and that's kind of been that's kind of on her bucket list, but for me, I'm not sure where I'd go. I've, I'd like to, I think Canada's a big thing, like, I don't mind, you know, so, oh, it's going to be cold up there when, you know, like an Alaskan cruise is something we've been kind of kicking around for a little bit because so we mm, went on one to... No boats. Yeah, see, you're not a big fan. We had a good time on our cruise that we went on last year. Yeah. Um, mm you know so that's you know something we're potentially doing i don't know if it's going to happen next year or not but um you know the cold places i would you know like i wouldn't mind going checking out like finland or norway or something up in that neck of the you know the scandinavian go check out my roots you know go get out there um but uh yeah we'll see we still not we're still not sure what we're doing for vacations yet this year time will tell you're doing nothing i mean potentially you're gonna go to can can wonderland Yes, and we're going to do some mini golf with some overproduced artistic nonsense. It'll be great. Maybe. We'll see. We are going to, where are we going? We're going somewhere in May. That one's hammered out, but I don't remember where it is now. Somewhere. We usually end up going with somebody else because, like, we go with her brother and his family on t- sometime because then they just plan it, and then we just go along, and we're like, okay, tell us where to go, and, you know... How how much we owe you for the hotel and whatever and stuff like that because then we just show up and they do the planning and it works out well.
0: See, I would I wouldn't mind going to some like places like going to like San Francisco or Portland on the west coast or Yeah, you know, I or even like, you know, going to like Boston or Philadelphia and seeing some of that. I there's parts of the United States like, you know, I think part of being in the Midwest is that I don't like a lot of us in the Midwest. <laughs> no, I, I take that back. I mean, the Midwest is a great place to live. I think part of it is is that I always hate about the Midwest because we take a lot for granted. Or like, oh, there's a scary world out there. No, it's the world. No,
1: yeah, yeah. Like we went to California this last year, and uh, I forget what when was that? That was just in December, actually. So just last month, and we did wine country, and that was fun. And I'd never been out. You know, like I've always been like California is kind of one of the last places I kind of want to go in the United States, just because you know. When I think of California, I tend to think more of like Los Angeles and the big cities down there, but like we went up to wine country, which is more, you know, north of all that. So, and that was fun. And if you don't like wine, don't go to wine country because there's well, almost nothing else to do out and there. And you got to keep in mind that California is a
0: very, very big state it too. It is. And it's you big know. and it's long
1: north and south ways. So. Right. You know, but like I've never done much on the East coast, you know, so like you said, I'd like to get to Boston, like to get to Maine sometime, check out the ocean over that way. You know, I'd. Don't really, care. I'm sure the Carolinas are great, but I don't really ever care if I get out that way. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, like I said, maybe we, I wish I could remember where the hell, and Mariah's probably yelling at me in his, you know, head right now. But we have May planned out, but I don't remember where it is we're going. Somewhere.
0: Obviously, it's a very impactful plan. It is. It, it is lingering in your it tip it of your It resonated
1: song. with me so much. It's amazing. It is. Yes, quite. All
0: right. Well, you got a, like a two-hour drive ahead of you.
1: Uh, yeah, it's not too bad though. I've I've got podcasts to catch up on. It'll be good times. Yeah, but still driving. Yeah, it's not a horrible drive though. As long as it's not snowing out there, we'll see. It's winter time. Snow happens.
0: Narrator, but it was snowing out
1: there. But it was snowing, and he died on the way home. Wouldn't okay, that be if I did die on the way home, though. right.
0: I'm going to have to add, like, a stinger to this episode. Uh, This is the last episode of John being on the podcast. I'll take your submissions if you want to replace (laughs) him.
1: It is. I noticed the other day when I was coming up here, actually, I was listening to some music, and the last song on the last album that Johnny Cash released while he was still alive was We'll Meet Again. You know, so there's that. You know, don't know how, don't know when, we'll meet again. And then he died. So, you know. Crazy times. We all die in the end, John. Eventually, we do die.
0: Except me, I'm a Highlander.
1: Damn it. I gotta chop your head off now.
0: No, there can only be one.
1: I suppose I'm not a Highlander, so me cutting your head off probably doesn't do me a whole lot of good. Well,
0: first, you think you could cut my head off. That ain't happening.
1: I mean, probably just like, you know, throw some creamy peanut butter across the room and catch you while you're off guard. What what am I, a fucking dog? Yes, (laughs) you are. Hmm. Folks, this
0: is Mike Spragel of this the Geek Roulette. Last
1: episode ever of the Geek Roulette podcast.
0: <laughs> Stinger, uh, John Lundquist would not make it home. He was found in the trunk of a car
1: <laughs> on the side of a road as it thawed out in April. Yep. Oh, Well, I had a good run. You did.
0: Yes. Well, thank you for joining us, everyone. As we had this amazing face-off episode.
1: Yes, that did not involve any actual faces getting ripped off. So not yet. No. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you later. Bye.